All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. You got your Bibles. Let's open them up to Genesis chapter 5. We are going to do something today. I've been teaching this class for 10 years, and we're going to do something today I've not done in 10 years, and that is cover an entire chapter. Um, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's, an, that's a new one for me. Uh, so I actually could put Genesis 5. They didn't have to put any verses on there today because uh, we're going to do the whole thing. The title of our lesson is Death Reigns. Death Reigns. Now, I think it's important as we begin today to point out uh, that chapter 5 is a continuation of chapter 4. I've mentioned this multiple times in our class. Uh, chapters and verses were not added to the Bible till the Middle Ages. Uh, I think... Uh, verses, I think, or chapters were added first, maybe 1400s, and then somebody came along and added the verses in the 1500s. But when the Bible was originally written, both Old and New Testament, there's no chapters, there's no verses. And I'm thankful for them because it makes it much easier to find things and, 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 and call things out. But in the, in the original, it's, the Bible's just written as one continuous uh, uh, you know, uh, passage or whatever the case may be. So chapter 4 is just a continuation of... Uh, sorry, chapter 5 is a continuation of chapter 4. Now in chapter 4, we saw that Scripture contrasted two families, and that is the family of Cain and the family of Seth. Even though there are literally hundreds of millions, probably billions of people uh, on the planet uh, at the time of the flood... Scripture chooses to just document it through two families, and that is Cain and Seth. Now, chapter 4, we spent about three weeks there, and that focused almost entirely on the, the lineage of Cain. And we talked about this. This is uh, the illusion of progress without God. And at the end of chapter 4, Seth is mentioned in a couple of verses. But here in chapter 5, the entire chapter will continue the focus on Seth and, and his uh, lineage. Now, once again, just to remind you, the family of Cain represents the worldly, the secular, people that are making progress, building civilization uh, without God. On the other hand, the family of Seth maintains the worship of God. They call upon God. They preserve His name. So they're the family or the lineage that is preserving the name of the Lord in the world. Now, the contrast between these two families is most evident in the seventh generation. And we mentioned this last week. Seventh generation of Cain produces a man named Lamech who is arrogant, he's vile, he's a murderer, he even brags about committing murder. The, the seventh uh, in the generation of, um, of Seth produces a man named Enoch, which we'll talk about today, which is a, a godly uh, man. So let's turn, open our chapter, Genesis 5, and we'll look at the generations of Adam. Verses 1 and 2. This is the book of the generation of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. So this is just kind of reminding us how it all started, that God created man, and he created them in the likeness of who? Himself, right? They are created in his likeness. He blessed them. Everything is good. And then we turn to verse 3. Now, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now the key there that we want to see is he fathered a son in his own likeness. Now that is a very simple statement, a very simple contrast with verses 1 and 2, but also an incredibly 
uh, sad one. Adam is created in, in the image of God, but now something has changed inside of him. Now, he still maintains something of the image of God, as we all do. But the fact is, he is now dominated. He is now marked by sin, by fallenness in his nature and in his character. And sadly, his sons and daughters, and and by that I mean Seth and every other human being, boy, uh, girl, child born onto this planet, will now be born bearing the likeness of Adam that being dominated by by sin. Verse 4 and 5. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And read that with me. And he died. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2. God tells Adam, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die die. In chapter 3, Genesis 3, 4, Satan comes along and says, that's not true. Forget what God said about all that dying stuff. You will not die if you eat that, the, the fruit of that tree. And of course, they did. Now, what this tells us here is chapter 5 shows us who was right. Now, it took a long time. God is merciful and that he didn't just kill him right off the bat. Adam lived 930 years, but in the end, The Word of God stood sure and it stood true. And it reminds us once again, God's Word is always true and Satan is always a lie. It may take time. People may not be able to see it and they may mock and they may say all these things, but I'm telling you, God's Word always comes to pass. took 930 years, but Adam died. In fact, you're going to hear, the title of this lesson is Death Reigns. And you're going to hear this one phrase like a funeral bell. You're going to hear it eight times in this chapter. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died over and over and over again. Let's go through some of those. Look at verses 6 through 8. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. And Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters... Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and just like his father, he died. Verses 9 through 11, When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. And Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years. He had other sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years. But guess what? He died. Verses 12 through 14, When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. And Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And all the days of Kenan were 910 years. But just like his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather, he died. Verses 15 to 17. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years. He had other sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years. A good long life, but guess what? He died. And finally, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. And Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Now listen, they didn't have Romans in that day. But this is exactly what we're seeing here is what the book of Romans teaches us. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. 
Why are they, why are they dying? Because they're inheriting the image of their father. They are sinners because their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather was a sinner. And because Adam sinned, we all die. We all die. They died. Everybody in between has died. Everybody after us is going to die. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is what? Death. See, this is telling us that this is the judgment of God on, on sin. This isn't some natural thing. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. Listen, this chapter follows the godly line of Seth. Now, they're not all godly men, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but this is the line, the lineage that preserves worship. So these are, there in here are some good men, some godly men, and they live long lives, but in the end, they're just like everybody else, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Because they've got that nature of their father. They've got that sinful nature in them, and the wages of sin is death. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually immediately. They were separated from God. And their physical death took a little bit longer. It started on that day, but it took Adam 930 years. Listen, it was a long process, much longer than it is for you and I, but it was set in motion the day... Uh, Adam, of course, the day he was sinned, his children, the day they were born, they were already dying because they're born into sin. Seth is born in Adam's likeness. He inherits a sin nature which he passes on to his son, who passes on to his son, who passes on to his son. They all died. We're all going to die. You see, Adam's sin brought death to himself and every single person born on this planet after him. And that's what this chapter is all about. You see it over and over. You cannot read this chapter and you look at it and say, well, that's boring. And you, and you miss, and he died, 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 like a funeral bell just tolling over and over again. Again, this is not natural, folks. This isn't the natural way of things. It is a horrible reminder that we have sinned against a holy God and there is a judgment on our sin. And one day we are going to stand before him and face him. That is an absolute certainty. Now, I mentioned a lot of people read this, and I did too. When I first started, I thought, this is, how, how am I going to teach this? This is the boringest thing I've ever read, right? You just go down from one to the other. It reminded me of a story. I ran across this story, and I thought you would like this. You know, as I was reading this, and, and the thing that kept popping out at me was, and he died, and he died, and he died. And I thought, well, that's got to be the, the theme of this chapter, that death reigns. Death reigns in the human race because of sin. Death is God's judgment on sin. And I ran across a story when I was studying this that I thought I would, I would pass. It was a story that was told years ago about a man named Henry Goodyear. He lived over in London. He was a, a, a merchant or a salesman of some type. And he was, a, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He, in fact, he was a, a mocker and a scoffer. But he had a niece who went to church, and she would always invite him to church every Sunday, you know, Uncle Uncle Henry, will you come to church with me? Come to church with me. He just, he just, honey, I don't want to do that. But finally, just to please his niece, he decides to go to church. So he goes into church that morning. The preacher gets up, and of all things, guess what he chooses as his passage? Genesis five. Right. That's that's what he chooses. Now the niece. Now, and by the way, have y'all ever done that? You're invited somebody to church, and they sit there, and all of a sudden the pastor gets up and he starts preaching. You're like. Seriously? 
I finally get this person to church, and that's what you preach on? We've all been there, haven't we? You know, we've all been there. And that's what happened that day. She told the story that she sat there and she thinks, what, you know, he died? That's what we're preaching on? And, she, and she, of course, she's wondering in her mind, like we do, why would God allow that? Why would he allow to tell, you know, to preach on this, this genealogy uh, passage when I finally get my uncle here to church? What she didn't realize was that on the way home, he's walking home, and all he can hear is those words, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Over and over and over again. The next day he goes back to work and he can't, he can't focus, he can't concentrate because the reality of his death is right in front of him. The story is told that night he goes home, he, he finds an old family Bible, digs it out of the, of the cupboard and he turns to that chapter and he reads it and the reality of his death hit him. And, and by the way, this should do the same thing to us. I'm alive today, but what about tomorrow? What about next year? I mean... They died, I'm going to die. That's, 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 that's going to happen. The reality of my sin should confront me just as it did him. That very night, he fell on his knees and he asked Jesus Christ to save him and he lived as a Christian for the rest of his life. See, God, listen, God can use anything. God can use anything. I'm absolutely convinced of, of that. He, he, when the Spirit decides to move, he, he can use any scripture he wants to drive home the reality of your sin. And he used here Genesis chapter 5. Now, if this genealogy only recorded what we read so far, it would be a pretty bleak picture, wouldn't it? You know, you live, you die. You live, you die. You live, you die. You have a few children, and, and then, of course, they live and die. But right in the middle of this chapter, in the seventh generation, there is one exception that stands like a, a beacon of light. And that is in verses 21 to 24. It says this, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and he died. doesn't say that, does it? And where it says, all the others says, and he died, this one says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11, 5 through 6 says this about Enoch. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you just take those two passages together, this is what we know about Enoch. We tried to build a picture of him. The Bible tells us he walked with God. Hebrews tells us that he pleased God. We know that he was a man of faith. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please him, so that we know that he had faith in God. And we know that he believed that if he served God diligently, that if he sought God diligently that he would be rewarded. We all know that about Enoch just from these verses, but there's something that we tend to forget about Enoch. You see, Enoch in his day would have stood out like a sore thumb. In fact, keep in mind, he's the seventh in the line of Cain. I'm sorry, in the line of Seth. Lamech is the seventh in the line of Cain. They would have lived in the same generation. He would have lived alongside his murdering, arrogant, vile, cousin, 
named, named Lamech. But he didn't just live along society. He didn't go up into a mountain and build a house and stay away from everybody so I'm, I'm not going to be infected. No, the Bible tells us he prophesied against them. He warned them in that day of the coming judgment upon their evil ways. Jude 1, 14-15, the New Testament says this, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, what this is telling us is here's Enoch living in this vile generation, this horrible society, and he doesn't pull himself aside. He stands up and prophesies. He was a prophet in his day. He's warning of the coming judgment. Now listen, in that society, I'm sure he wasn't a popular guy. The guy that stands up and, 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 and speaks against a vile and sinful generation is never going to be a popular person. I'm sure Enoch wasn't popular. And he did this for 300 years. For 300 years, he walks with God. Verse 22 said that again, Enoch walked with God. I, I could literally, I almost did this but decided not to. I could literally stop there and probably teach for two weeks on that phrase, walk with God. Because that phrase is first used here in Genesis, but as we all know, it's used multiple times in the New Testament. It is a graphic picture of the spiritual life. Romans 6, 4, even so, we should walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. for we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Doesn't tell us to run in the Spirit, does it? Doesn't tell us to, to run in newness of life. It doesn't tell us to run by faith. It just says walk. Walk. You see, the idea of this, to walk with God, means that God, our, our life is moving in the same direction as God. It's not the quickest way to get there. It's not the flashiest way, but it's just a steady progression over time. You just never quit. You just walk day after day after day after day. It is a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of fellowship. You know, when you walk with somebody, you, you talk with each other, right? When you're running, it's kind of difficult to do that, right? So the idea of walking with God is you're, you're taking your time. You're talking. You're getting to know one another. You're becoming friends. The Bible calls him that sometimes. Walking with God is that daily process of growing more intimate with God as you go through this life. And that's exactly what Enoch did. I tell you, you read that verse and you see this over. Adam lived. Seth lived. Enosh lived. Canaan lived. Mahalalel lived. Jared lived. But Enoch he walked with God. I, as I was reading that, I thought, you know, that's a choice that every one of us have. Are you going to just live this life, or are you going to walk with God? Which one are you going to do? That's a choice of every person. You can just live, and you can live a good life, or you can walk with God. You can be different. You can stick out like a sore thumb. And that's exactly what Enoch did. And what is the end if you choose to do that? What is the end of a walk with God? Isn't it interesting that the most godly man in that lineage has the shortest lifespan. You see guys living 800 years, 900 years, 962, 960, this, these huge lifespans, and the one man whose life is cut short 
is the most godly man. See, that just tells us once again, listen, godliness is not a guarantee of long life on this earth. It's a guarantee of eternal life. That's the whole point. That's the whole focus. Who cares? If you get that, what do I care if I'm here 30 or 60 or 90? That's, my, that's the goal. See, that's the guarantee is eternal life. It's not a guarantee of long life here on the earth. Now, just as Lamech was a prototype of the ungodly man, we said that last week, just as Lamech is a prototype of the type of man pr produced by a godless society, Enoch is also a type. He is a prototype. He is the epitome of the faithful man, of the godly man. He is the, he is the prototype of what happens to somebody if they walk with God. And that is they will live eternally with the Lord, which is the blessed hope of every single believer. You follow the line of Cain, and you set God aside, and you do things your own way, you got one thing waiting on you, and that's the judgment. But for those in the line of Seth, those who walk faithfully, those who preserve the name of the Lord, our hope is eternal life, just as with Enoch. Now, Enoch was a man of faith. He believed God. He trusted God. He walked with God. He prophesied against the ungodly in his day, but he did one more thing to show that he was a man of faith, and that is he named his son Methuselah. Now that name, as best we can tell from the root words, means either he shall send his death or when he is dead it shall come. It's got something to do with dying and judgment. And if you follow out the numbers and the ages here, you'll find that Methuselah died right before, he died in the same year of the flood, which means he probably died, he could have died a week before, a month before. There was, in other words, as soon as Methuselah died, the judgment came. And Enoch named him. Enoch saw that, that happening. Look at verses 25 to 27. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Now, Methuselah, we all know he's what? The oldest man that ever lived, right? We've, we've, we, all, we all know that. Why? Why would, he, why would he be the oldest man that ever lived? Could it be, and I'm just, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm asking, could it be that his life and his age is one more testimony of the patience of God? Remember, he is the last one. He will die right before the flood. He doesn't see the judgment. Could it be that his long life, that almost, literally, the guy lives almost a thousand years. That is incredible, isn't it? I mean, that just blows my mind that he could live that long and he dies and then the flood comes. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, there's a really interesting passage of Scripture. If you ever get a chance to just go study 2 Peter 3, it's really, really interesting. Peter's talking about judgment coming. And, and we talk a lot, you know, when's the Lord going to come and, and why hadn't he come? We talk about all this stuff a lot. And, and Peter kind of addresses this. And, he, and when he's addressing judgment, he actually looks back to the flood. He says this, verses 6 and 7, "...by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water." So he's talking about the great flood that came. And then he turns to today's world and he says this, but the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So he's saying just the same way it was back then and the world was judged with water, 
It's the same way today, and the world will be judged by fire. We're, we're waiting. It's going to happen. It's gonna, everything's going to burn up. It's coming. And he's talking about that. In verse 8, he says this, But, beloved, don't forget this, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is just as one day. Now, do you, I want you to see his argument. He's saying that just like back then, they scoffed and they said the same things. They're saying, hey, it's been a thousand years. Nothing has happened. Look, look, I mean, everybody, all this stuff's going on. A thousand years have gone by. Nothing's happened. And see, Peter's saying just the way it is today, that's how it was then. Just because judgment is delayed doesn't mean it ain't coming. Doesn't mean it's not certain. God never lies. It is coming. And see, in fact, what Peter is saying, he goes on in verse 9, he's saying that that length of time doesn't... God's not sleeping. God's not twiddling his thumbs. He's giving you the chance to repent. Verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that anybody should perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. Every day that goes by is grace. One more day to give somebody one more chance. And so maybe somehow that's why Methuselah had that long life. That, that God just, is just extending his life. Because he, he knows, okay, when Methuselah's gone, it's over. And he just lets him live 969 years. It's a testimony of the patience and the grace of God. He's giving a wicked society one last chance to repent and turn to him. Now let's look at verses 28 to 29. When Lamech, this is Methuselah's son had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one, talking about Noah, shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Now, let me ask you this. Is it a coincidence? Now, you answer this for me. I don't think it is. Is it a coincidence that the seventh from Cain is a murdering, vile, arrogant man named Lamech and the seventh from Seth? through the line of Seth, is a godly man named Enoch. Is that a... You think that's a coincidence? I don't think it is. And is it a coincidence that in chapter 4, a man named Lamech, a murdering, vile, arrogant man, is allowed to make a speech about how great he is? And then in chapter 5, a man named Lamech is allowed to make a speech full of faith in God. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. I think, I think Moses is setting up these two lines and showing us, look, this is the way of the world, this is the way of God. Take your choice. The path is clear. You go this way, I can tell you where it's going. You go this way, I'll tell you where it's going. Verses 30 to 32. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died and after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right. I told you last week that if you came today, I would show you some stuff that would blow your mind. All right. That's, I'm probably not going to blow your mind, but you get the idea. I first did this about 10 years ago. I was teaching a men's class over here with, with Scooter. Uh, over here in the... Uh, Scooter and I used to team teach, if y'all didn't know that. I'd teach one Sunday... Scooter actually says, hey, come teach this class with me. I'll do one Sunday, you do the next, right? How long did that last? Like three Sundays? And then next thing I know, Scooter... <laughs> Scooter's like, oh, you're way better at this than me. You go do it. 
So that was 10 years ago. But anyway, I first did this 10 years ago when I first laid it out, and I thought, wow, that is absolutely amazing. See, if you look at this chapter, you'll notice you're given a lot of ages. It says when people were born, and it says exactly how long they live. And if you take the time to do it, you can lay these out side by side and look at them. And when you, what, when you do that, what you see is really amazing. Now, I don't know how well you guys can see that. I hope you can see it. I tried to make it as big as I can. So what I did up there on the top is Adam. Notice on the far left is the year they were born. So Adam would, have, of course, been in year zero. Uh, Seth, for example, would have been uh, born in year 130. Everybody see that? The far, on the far right is the number of how long they live. So Seth, for example, would have been born in year 130. He died in 912. Enosh would have been born in year 235. He would have lived to be 905 years old. So you can lay all that out. When you do, the flood comes up to year 1656. So that from the time of Adam to the time of the flood is 1656 years. You can th- see Methuselah died, I mean, literally that year. It is literally the same year. Some people think he may have died the week of the flood, or, but he definitely died the same year of the flood. Now, that you can lay all that out, and that's pretty interesting. Of course, you can see that Noah would, of course, and his son uh, Shem would have, would have extended beyond the flood because they were on the ark. But this is where it really gets interesting. If you go up and you take Adam, and then you, you actually bring him down to see who he overlapped, So you'll see that he overlaps Methuselah and he overlaps Lamech. In fact, if you do the math, and and that's the area right there. Everybody see what I'm saying there? So they actually live at the exact same time. In fact, we learned Adam overlaps Methuselah, which is Noah's grandfather, for 243 years. He overlaps Lamech, which is Noah's father, for 56 years. So Methuselah and Lamech, literally could have met Adam. Now listen, I don't know about you, but if I'm living in that time and I hear that Adam lives over on the other side, we're going. I mean, there ain't a whole lot to do, right? But are you not going? Sure you're going. I mean, I can see people just lined up outside Adam's house. Tell me. Tell me about how it was in the garden. Tell me. Right? I mean, you want to see... He's the first guy. You're going to see him. So... It would make perfect sense that, uh, that Methuselah and Lamech, again, which is Noah's grandfather and, great, uh, and father, would have met Adam, would have probably gone over to his house, would have learned at his, uh, at his feet. Now, this gets interesting. If you go down to Methuselah, who lives 969 years right up to the flood, right? If you bring him down, he overlaps, of course, Noah and he overlaps Shem. Everybody with me? In fact, if you do the math, he overlaps Noah for 600 years. And he overlaps his great-grandson Shem by 100 years. All right? Now, why is that important? Because one man bridges all the way from Noah, I'm sorry, from Adam all the way to Noah, one guy. In other words, Methuselah would have known Adam and Methuselah knew Noah. So you don't need all these written records, right? You don't need these written languages. It's, it's not, this is not going down through hundreds of different people. It's going through one guy. Everybody with me? That's why that's important. 
Methuselah could have told Noah, Noah would say, he'd say, Grandpa, tell me about Adam. Oh, yeah, I used to go over to Adam's house all the time, and this is what he told me. This is how it happened. And he said, don't get caught up in that stuff. Don't believe any of that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it would, have been, it would have been incredible. One guy, one guy bridges Adam all the way down to Noah and Shem. Now, that's to me is interesting, but it even gets more interesting if you keep if you keep digging. I want to go a step further. So you got Adam knows Methuselah, Methuselah knows Noah and Shem, right? One guy bridges that. Now we're going to jump ahead a little bit in some genealogies because I want to show you something. Genesis nine twenty eight uh, nine twenty eight. I guess I'm not sure where I got two of those. And it says this: and Noah lived after the flood three hundred and fifty years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So let's flip on the other side of that yellow line, and you've got Noah that lives 350 years after the flood, so that would take him out to year 2006, in, in just, everybody, really not 2006 A.D., but 2006 from, from the beginning, right? Now, Genesis 11 gives us the genealogy of his son, Shem. It says, Shem was 100 years old, and he begot Arphaxad two years after the flood. And after he begot Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years, and he begot sons and, and daughters. So Shem lives 502 years after the flood, and he would die in the year 2158. Everybody got me so far? Okay, just, This is just doing the math that the Bible gives us. Now, we jump ahead. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but in Genesis 11... It gives us that whole genealogy, and it does the same thing that it did in Genesis 5. It tells us how old they were when they had their first son, and it tells us how long they lived after they had that son, and it's just walking the genealogy. So you can see Afarxad was 35, he begat Selah, Selah, and then he lived 403 years, he begat other sons and daughters, Selah lived 30 years, and it just goes on down the line. Now, if you turn, keep going, you finally get down to a man named Terah. Okay, and Terah, just hold on to that. Terah is going to be important in, in one second. So if you put all that up there, there's Noah, there's Shem, there's Afarxad, there's, and the, on the left is the year after the flood that they were born. So Afarxad was born two years after the flood. Uh, Selah was born 37 years after the flood. Uh, Eber was born 69. All the way down to 224 years after the flood was a man named Terah. By the way, also notice their ages. You'll see after the flood, as they get further in generations, people are living less and less and less. You know, Noah's now in the 800s. Then you get down to some in the four. You know, Shem was about 600. Then you get down to the 400s. Remember, as time goes on, the genetics are, are, are deteriorating. Uh, diseases and bacteria and stuff are getting worse and worse. And so they're just going downhill, okay, because the, the human gene pool is deteriorating as you go. Till you get down to, to Nahor, uh, was 148, and Terah lived to be 205. Now, let me tell you why Terah is important. Genesis 11, 12 through 26. Now, Terah lived 70 years, and he begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. That Abram is, we know him as what? That's Abraham. So now we can add Abraham down here at the bottom. So Abraham was born 294 years after the flood, 
and he lived to be 175 years old and died in the year 2126. Now this is what blows my mind. I'm going to tell you this right here. If you look at Noah, okay, and you bring Noah down, he overlaps Abraham by 56 years. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Abraham could have went and talked to Noah. Now let me tell you, if I live in that day, and that dude is over there, and he was on the boat, he built the boat, are you going to go see him? Of course you're going to go see that guy, right? I mean, if, there's, if you've heard of him, if there's any possibility of getting, talking to that guy, you're going to go talk to that guy. Abraham has 56 years of his life where he overlaps uh, Noah, which just blows my mind. But this blows your mind, my mind even more. If you look at his son Shem, who, by the way, helped build the boat and was on the boat with his daddy, if you look at Shem, Shem outlives Abraham by 32 years. He outlives Abraham by 32 years. Now that blows my mind. I mean, I never had any clue that in the day of Abraham... We think of Abraham being way down the line, don't we? And the guy that was on the boat is just over the mountain. And, and he outlives me. He's, I mean, he's alive my whole life. So here's the point. You only need four people to get from Adam to Abraham. Adam knows Methuselah. Methuselah knows Noah and Seth, and Noah and Seth could very easily have known Abraham. All the way to Abraham in four people. You just think about some of this stuff. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah, which happened in Abraham's lifetime, right? Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah. That town full of filth is, is, is alive and, 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 and flourishing, and the guy that was on the ark is right over there. The guy that could tell them, look, I'm going to tell you where this leads. He's right there. He, he built the boat. He was on the boat. And he's alive during this whole time. And society just gets evil and evil and evil and more evil. Listen, there's a lot of lessons in this. And I'll tell you this. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, if I could just talk to so-and-so, if I could just see so-and-so, I know you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If I could just see a man raised from the dead, no, you wouldn't. It wouldn't change. None of that outside stuff changes the heart. It's not redemptive. All this stuff, none of it changes anything. Only the Spirit can change the heart. So you can have all the evidence. You can have all the people around you. You can have the guy that was on the boat. You can have somebody come to you and say, man, I saw somebody and I saw this happen to them. And I'm telling you, it's real and it's true. And you just walk away and you just live the same life you've It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a hill of beans. It's the spirit that's redemptive. It's the spirit that changes our life. Next week, we get to Genesis chapter 6. And the title of our lesson is Total Depravity. Total Depravity. And we will see how the world, when it goes downhill, it absolutely... Remember, civilization is flourishing Animal husbandry is flourishing. They're raising cattle. They're, they're making musical instruments. They're feeding themselves. They've got entertainment. They're building cities. Millions and billions of people on the planet. And it's all, at the end of the day, there's eight people that God chooses to save. Eight righteous people that God chooses to save. 
It, it, the world will go, uh, there, we got a saying it goes to hell in a handbasket. Well, that's exactly what happened back then. It went downhill and it went down really quick. So next year, Genesis, uh, next week, Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 5, total depravity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Genesis chapter 5. And, and uh, Lord, uh, I hope um, that uh, we were able to get something out of this. I know, Father, that as I went through it, that theme of death reigns uh, just resounded in my mind over and over and over again. That uh, I'm no different from this. Those men may live a lot longer than me, but at the end of the day, we all die. Help us, Lord, to use the time that we have on this earth to preserve your name. To God, to, to use the time that we have on this earth not to build careers, not to build cities, not to, to make things and produce things, but our focus has to be to on preserving your name. At the end of the day, that is all that matters. Help us to be those kind of people. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.